0: another episode of thick and thin hoops where ball is always life I'm your host Karthik here's my co-host Nathan. what's good Nathan happy 2024 it's a new year
1: how you feeling what is up 2024 we might be the only uh NBA podcast that can uh smoothly find our way to a four-week sabbatical mid-season and then come back like nothing ever happened we're in the new year it's uh it's it's feeling good man how about yourself?
0: Yeah, feeling good, feeling good. It's been a while since we last talked, I know, on the pod. A lot's happened since then, but uh, it's going to be a good year. Uh, maybe we'll we'll stick to the weekly schedule
1: <laughs> this year as opposed to last. But It's been such a long time. I think when we last talked, we were kind of celebrating the Lakers and, and everything they're doing. Fast forward to now, and <laughs> the season seems to be on the verge of imploding. So already got the Darvin Hams, you know, anonymous sources say the players are frustrated coming from probably rich Paul himself um so a lot can change in this league in just a matter of weeks and we're seeing that around the association just like
0: clockwork um the lakers and clutch and the coaching situation
1: but uh but yeah
0: there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about
1: yeah there is let's get into it so we figured the best way to kind of do a pulse check given all the time we've missed. We've not had a chance. I felt like a couple different times, you know, schedules did not allow us to jump on the mic, but a couple different times I was watching, whether it was Christmas day or other games, I was like, shit, I would love to say this. I hope I remember all those fire takes that I had as I was like sitting on my couch, but nonetheless figure the best way to do it. I put together a list. I told you I was going to put together a list of 10 random questions that were just kind of top of mind for me. Um, you have not seen this list. You don't know what's on it. So, um, This is all going to be off the dome for you. And then we'll end up with any others that you have. I'm sure as we go through these, some other ones will pop up sort of tributary questions. But let's get into it because um, there's so much to talk about. So much good basketball being played. uh, A lot of bad basketball as well, though. Shout out to the Pistons for, um, you know, ending their uh, their 28 game uh, losing streak. So first question, this is going to be more of a brass tacks question because you usually would, would record in instances like this where we do have a little bit of a a major trade, and I think this counts as a major trade for all the speculation for a couple years now on OG Ananobi. So I have to ask, who won that trade? OG Ananobi, Presa Shachua, and uh, Malachi Flynn to the Knicks, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and uh, Detroit's uh, upcoming second rounder. So it's probably going to be the first or second pick around two back to the Raptors.
0: Uh, I'm going to give the boring answer. I like the trade for both teams. Oh, if anything, I'll give the slight edge to New York. And right. I actually changed my opinion on this trade a couple of different times. I think ultimately it comes down to they didn't have to mortgage any future picks. They get out of having to pay quickly in the offseason, which it seemed like they were not ready to do. And they get out of R.J. Barrett, which, you know, 25 mil to a player who has not shown substantial improvement, who's always felt a little on the table, left a little on the table in terms of the shooting. Um, just the reliability. So when you think about the fact that they did not mortgage any picks, they kept all the future flexibility, only a second rounder, and they got uh, Precious Ashua also in that deal, who's another nice wing. And OG, I I just feel like as a team like the Knicks, they're trying to take that level up. This doesn't vault them into contention, but it gives them that 3 and D elite wing, the stopper you need when you're playing the Jason Tatums of the world. Um, you know, the Kevin Durant's that all the wings in the NBA. So that is the next step that they had to make was ach- getting one of those pieces and to not give up any draft capital. I like it for them. Uh, and on the Toronto side, a little disappointed, I think because I've been anchored on this idea of three pricks and four picks and all the stuff that's been floating around there. Um, They get a couple of nice pieces, but I still don't know what the direction of this team is. And it really depends on what they do with Siakam and what they do moving forward.
1: So, because of that, I like it a little bit better for New York. But what do you think? You know, it's funny because because we usually record these trade uh, record these reactions right after a trade like this is complete. We don't get the uh, benefit of seeing what they actually look like on their new teams. We're kind of just firing from the hip. Uh, like for example, the Harden trade to the Clippers. I don't think we had really had much time to see how that was going to actually gel beforehand. I was sort of where you were initially, which is I liked it for both teams. I love this for the Knicks. Um, I think you hit on a lot of the points. The number one thing that I think people are forgetting is that, you know, they kept and all of their future firsts, right? And not only their own. They have the Wizards first. They have a couple other teams first. So they can trade, I think, up to seven or eight picks, which is, you know, you can only trade four of your own picks at any given moment, but there's no rule against trading first from other teams, which is why there's a world in which, you know, the Thunder could trade 10 picks for Joel Embiid if the Sixers were willing, you know, that type of thing. So all that to be said, like the Knicks being able to add a really, really important player to their rotation without touching most of their cornerstone assets in trades, I think is really important. A couple things I'd say about this. OG has fit well. It's only been two games. Um, Obviously, he's already playing 35 minutes a game and starting in classic Tibbs fashion, uh, thrown right in the fire. He's... You know, spot up guy, some cuts on offense. Brunson seemed to have good chemistry with him defensively. Like I was watching uh the Timberwolves game, right? Uh strapping Anthony Edwards. And then who did they play last night? Um the Bulls guarding DeMar DeRozan. right? And like, um actually did they play the Timberwolves with OG? I don't know. I don't think the so. game Okay, so sorry. So the the last game against the Bulls, strapping DeMar DeRozan down the stretch, really taking the Bulls entirely out of their offense and taking what was a close game and making it um, you a know, semi-blowout. So I think that's really important because he's the only guy that was really capable of doing that. If you look at the previous version of the roster, it was Josh Hart, and frankly, it was RJ Barrett, who never really took that step up defensively. Now, he's on a four-year, $100 million contract himself, quickly has to get paid next year. So as much as I have a little bit of heartburn around what the contract is going to be for OG. I'm nervous it's going to look like the Jeremy Grant deal, that five for 150, 160. I'm, I think that's a bad idea, but I do think he's going to command north at 30 million a year. I think you can stomach it because you know you're going to have to pay those two guys. You have the Randall deal that's going to come up eventually, and you still have assets that you can go get a third star. And and salaries to match, whether it's a Mitchell Robinson, whether it's an Evan Fournier, like there are ways to add up to to what you need, plus all those firsts. So I think in terms of team building, it made a ton of sense for the Knicks. The price was not nearly as high, like you mentioned, of the three firsts we got rumored with last year. And Ananobi is a good, not great player. I think we're all learning that collectively when last year it looked like, you know, they were about to they wouldn't trade him for, you know, prime LeBron James.
0: Yeah, I think the real question for this team becomes OG Ananobi was seeking a second primary or secondary scorer type role. Um, he's not going to get that on this version of the Knicks. Yeah. And if they do make a move for a Donovan Mitchell or another star, he gets relegated even further. Yeah. And then you're talking about paying your potential fourth best player. I don't know what he might command, 35, 40 million a year. Yeah. Um, depending on what they give him. So that it is helps, the kind of danger. The
1: way, on that note, by the way, sorry. It helps to have the number one best contract in the league in Jalen Brunson. Because Brunson, for being an all-star, for being the as good as he's been, making 26 a year or whatever it is, is a joke. So yeah. continue.
0: No, no, exactly. So I, But I think this is the move they needed to make. Uh, it's good that they, they preserve that future flexibility. But ultimately, it's still just the first move. And I think they've got their eyes on, I don't know if it's on Mitchell or a bigger prize, but they need to make that second move to really get them into a place where they're actual contenders. I still don't think they're this fundamentally
1: changes things that much. Quickly from the Toronto side um, quickly has ever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no pun. I, little pun. I didn't mean to make that pun, but I guess you could from the Toronto side um, quickly and Barrett, you know, they've both been productive. The team had a nice win over Memphis I mean, they were pretty much, it was pretty well reported that they wanted players, not picks. Uh, Maybe that's why they did uh, uh, opt for this kind of deal versus one that had more picks and protections and whatnot layered into it. What do you make of, because you have Scotty Barnes who, you know, some people are giving an all-star buzz to. Neither of us had him on our like preliminary teams a a few weeks ago, but Kevin Pelton, for example, had him as an all-star starter. So they clearly, he's clearly making some type of leap, whatever it is. You have this expiring Siakam contract. It's been, and I I shouldn't say contract as in he's not productive. Of course he is, but it's been a a weird clunky fit around Barnes, especially as Siakam has like completely lost the ability to shoot. Um, And then you have Pirtle, you have a couple other veterans, Dennis Schroeder. So are they going to blow it up? Are they just trying to pivot again around this new version of the team that's a little younger, hometown hero, RJ Barrett quickly, but still keep their guys like what do you think they are going to do and what do you think they should do
0: my fear with this type of trade is that they are absolutely trying to get stay the course in terms of being a playoff team being competitive and i think they're looking for players and i think that was clear in this deal where they took no picks and they got two good solid players young players um but i don't know what what that's going to get them like right now this roster has siakam scotty barnes uh, quickly, and RJ Baird is your your top and Pertle, right? Those are your top five guys. Yeah, um, where that team is not moving the needle at all, those players aren't moving the needle at all. Then the question becomes, what are you going to get for Siakam, given that he's going to be a frageant this year? I don't know, I don't think you're going to get a player or an asset that's that valuable in return for Siakam. You're probably going to get, um,
1: maybe a pick or two. But I just don't see them... you got to get more than that, right? I mean, he's a multi-time All-Star, multi-time All-NBA, like... Yeah, it depends. But
0: Siakam is not committing to any... He's not willing to make that commitment uh, to, to signing with any team. He's outright said that, or his agent has said that. Um, so I, it, there may be a situation where he just ends up going to the free agency market, which would be a disaster for Toronto. I think they would have been better off for selling everyone for picks, just accumulate picks, tear it down, and then rebuild using all those picks and make a move the following year. Next year is just kind of a throwaway year. I
1: don't see this. This roster is just what is it going to do? Well, they've never done it right. Like even when they traded Rudy Gay to Sacramento, they were pretty competitive that following year. Um, so they've never really done the. Um, wholesale tank beyond the year they were in Tampa during COVID, which was super weird that ended up working, right? They got Scotty Barnes. I don't know. I feel like Masai, like he's made a bunch of kind of head scratching decisions. Like a team that was clearly not going to be competitive, gave up a first for Jakob Pertl last year. Like why, what would be the, what was the point of that? Like, is Jakob Pertl so irreplaceable you could not find another center that gives you 80% of that while keeping your pick? Um, they didn't trade Ananobi a year early. They obviously didn't trade Siakam a year early. Didn't trade Van Bleed at the deadline. So it's confusing. Um, the the logic would say they trade Siakam. I kind of think that they're just not going to, and they're going to take it to free agency and try to yep. resign sign him. And I just think that that's a bad idea, uh, especially with a team like Philadelphia, who's going to have max cap space. That is the perfect fit next to Maxi and to uh, Embiid, right? He plays the four... He can be an all-switch-everything defender. His shooting is covered up a little bit by a good-shooting Philadelphia team. Why is he going to stay in Toronto when he has a chance to compete for a title without giving up cash uh, in Philadelphia or or other situations?
0: He's not staying. I mean, even Dennis Schroeder came out and said that the vibes around this team are not great, essentially. That's the recap of what he said. Um, I don't think Siakam has any incentive to stay, but... I think he does want to play the free agency game. And so that's why he's, he doesn't want to be traded at this point. I think he thinks he can go onto the open market and get a good deal. So I don't know, man, besides one of those guys who gets high on his own supply, you know, like he's, he thinks he's better than most GMs, a little bit arrogant. And I think he wants to stay competitive. And I think that's the, has been his MO, like you said, with the Pirtle deal, with testing free agency with some of these guys, I think they're going to continue to do play it like that through the year.
1: Okay. Well, that took entirely too much time for a 10-question list, but but I think I had to get it going on, on, on Ananobi. Okay, next question. I feel like you're not going to like this one, but it has to be asked given what we've seen. But can Oklahoma City win the title this year as constructed? I don't think so. Okay, I assumed you'd say that. Can they make a reasonable move at the deadline or beforehand that puts them into that? inner inner circle
0: I don't think so Look well, I hear I've been I've been wrong on OKC every step yes, of the process I, At the beginning of the season I didn't I thought they'd be like an 8 seed or 9 seed Clearly they're way better Even a couple of weeks ago I said I don't see this team being and that good finishing that and they're the best team Are they the best team in the West now or are they still behind Minnesota
1: I think there's still well Minnesota next- lost last night right Oh no! They yeah, won less. yeah, they're half. Ga- they're game behind Minnesota.
0: And, and look, they've got the they've got some of the ingredients in terms of they have a super duper star in SGA. Um, they've got a they've they have the the marquee wins throughout the season. They've beaten all the top teams. Um, they're solid on defense. They're you know they're top six on offensive rating and defensive rating. I yep. think last time I checked. So they're, they're like, by all metrics, they're an elite team. I always come back to, and it's something that I know, it's, it's just, it's not backed by analytics or anything. It's just the idea that these guys are so, Chet's his rookie season, and yep. he's your second best player. Jalen Williams, it's his second year. I just don't trust that team in a seven-game series. Their first year doing this, like, they're great, but to say they're a contender this year, I don't, it means that you think they can get to the conference finals. I think this is a second round exit, which is great, like for where this team was just two years ago. But I, ha- I have a hard time believing that this first iteration is going to go deep.
1: If the question is conference finals or not as a possibility, I would say resounding yes. Um, I mean, it's possible, it, but would you pick them? I wouldn't pick them, but I also have only one spot because I'm not picking against Denver. Um, when they're locked in, they're still every bit as good as they were last year. I think they're sleepwalking a little bit through the season, which is sort of funny because they only won one title, so it's not like they have this like dynasty going. But at the same time, this nucleus has played together so long in Denver that they don't really need any regular season time to get through the kicks. Sorry, that's an aside. OKC, the thing I love about them and the thing that makes them different from a lot of young teams, like they already have a top five player in the league. Like they, like I think about Sacramento last year is like the most recent comp, or even you take new Orleans last year, which at this point in the season, they were number one in the West, right? This is what got Zion uh, elected as a starter to the all-star game. If you remember, this is like Zion himself was clearly playing like a top 10 guy at this point. So you could argue Shea and Zion are sort of like, that was like a good comp from that sort point. But the thing is Shea is consistent. He plays every night. He never gets hurt. He's always between like 28 and 34 points a game. He doesn't back down from anybody. And the thing that's different about him than most young teams is he's already gotten playoff chops twice. And I think people forget that because of how bad the Thunder were in the middle there. Like he went to the playoffs his rookie year with the Clippers, granted a little bit more of a complimentary guy. But then he went the very next year with that Chris Paul Thunder team in the bubble that took Houston to seven. And so I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that he's like, oh, well, I had those two series, so I'm good to go to win a title. But I do think it's a little different than most other young teams. To your point, Chet has been absolutely incredible, uh, way better than I thought. You had him as Rookie of the Year. He has blown the doors off of my expectations on him is, as high as I was on OKC preseason. But he's not going to hold up because it's just too much asked of him in game 90, 95, 100. I think they have to go get somebody. This is where it gets tough, right? Because if you put someone like Jared Allen out there, who would be a great fit for them, he's too good to come off the bench. So now you're fundamentally changing what you're doing as a team. You have to start Jared Allen right next to Chet. But then it's like, okay, if you go get someone like Isaiah Stewart, who could conceivably come off the bench, is that a meaningful enough move to matter? right? And that's like the hard thing that you're doing. The Lori rumors would be incredible if there was a possibility to get him. I don't know that Utah, you know, they've been playing really well. I'm not sure that that's a move that they're willing to make. I don't think they can win the title. I think they can come damn close and certainly finish top four, uh, but have to have breaks go their way.
0: Yeah, I. it's possible. Look, it's possible. I. And Shay, you're right. He's a top five player. He plays and he's got all the skill set, the skill set of a player that would thrive in the postseason. Yep, finishing game, mid-range game, not over reliant on three-point shooting. Can get to the line, but not in a way where he's overly reliant on it. Right, he's not a James Harden where the 11 free throws per game vanish in the playoffs. Yep, I, but I think this team is not going to make a swing now, and they shouldn't. I think they should play it out and see how good this squad just by itself is. So the Lowry Lowry deal, any other star? I don't think. Maybe they make a move for Isaiah Stewart, but those are all like that's not going to fundamentally change anything about this year. Yeah. I just don't think they need to go all in right away. They need to see what this team can do in the postseason and and what they have. I think the unfortunate thing for them is giddy. Even without the, all the allegations around Gilly giddy. Yeah. I thought he was the best candidate to get traded. I said that at the beginning of the year, like he's a piece that he's a nice player, but he's a player that they could possibly do without. And get a nice haul for him. And all of a sudden, that asset now may be a little bit less valuable given what's happening around him. But yeah. if his value doesn't change, that is a perfect piece on top of all the picks that lets you go big game hunting because you've got a young, talented player plus picks that you can start shopping.
1: So, not only, not only the off court stuff, like he hasn't played as well this year. But like, yeah, I mean, he has not taken the step that you thought he would. Where like he's only shooting forty eight percent on twos, like he he's just not necessarily been the the same type of trajectory that these other guys had, especially like a Jalen Williams. And you kind of knew that, right? Like I, I may not knew that, but
0: I I think he always had a little bit of a ceiling to his game. Not saying that this is the ceiling, but you also have to feel for him because he's getting booed in every arena every time he touches the ball. Like I was watching is Hawks Thunder happening? last night. It's still happening. I was watching Hawks Thunder, and Atlanta's not known for like, uh, you know, having necessarily a passionate crowd. The Their pulse. team's not even that good, yeah. and this team was mercilessly booing him every time he touched the ball. I'm like, dude, if even Atlanta's doing it, it's not just the Boston's, the you know, these really passionate fan bases. It's literally Atlanta, and yeah. I don't know how you deal with that. Like,
1: well, yeah, I mean, look, I don't actually. It's sort of a we don't need to get into it. It's sort of unclear what ended up happening or not with this thing like do we all just bury it and move on or are they going to do something but at this point it sounds like that investigation is basically dead right and they're just going to kind of keep it moving but it, it's true it's 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 a tough environment and and sort of you know he's also the guy whose game is going to fit worse next to a ball dominant guard like Shay. so
0: yeah like the better Shea is it's not helping Giddy because he thrives with the
1: ball in his hand as well or as a right. second facilitator So, broader question building off that. Do you think we're seeing a real changing of the guard in the league? Specifically, you look out west. Four teams I'm thinking of. Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Sacramento, Minnesota. Super young, super talented. Versus LeBron, Steph, KD. All on struggling teams. Lakers and Warriors below 500. The the Suns are two games above 500, but literally have 30th out of 30 strength of schedule. So they're like probably should have been way better. Like, is this real, or do you think things will normalize where some of those young guns will start falling out? Phoenix gets more reps. Lakers figure something out. Like, what do you? Because to me, this does feel a little momentous uh, as far as you know league hierarchy. Oh, absolutely. I think it's happening.
0: I think this year, these some of these teams, Phoenix, LA, might get it together a bit make a push. But I think next year, it's done. I think the transition happens because LA is struggling with, with a healthy AD and LeBron to stay in, afloat. I don't think next year is going to make it any easier. Uh, the Clippers, despite how well they're playing, I think they're going all out this season. And I just don't see them being able to do another year with all these guys, uh, another year older. Warriors are imploding, right? Who knows what happens to Draymond, what happens to Clay going into next season. And Phoenix, once again, like depending on how this year goes, they may make changes. They may, I don't know what they'll do, but next season could look very different. So all these teams, even if they get it together this season, I think are going to take a significant step back next year. And, you know, the mavs are not the mavs are kind of in between cuz luka's young but they're still here right you already mentioned minnesota okc yeah i guess uh, i should have put the
1: mavs in that first category but they just feel like an old team for some reason they
0: feel like an old team right but like given that luka's so young and then you take memphis we we all forget about memphis but they're also one of the younger teams had a lot of success early So I absolutely think that those are going to be the new guard and that'll happen next year. I don't necessarily know. Houston. How about Houston? Houston too. Yep. And Houston settled down this year. Like now they've kind of fallen back in the back, but absolutely next year they'll take a step up. So
1: Alper and Sangoon who had him on the all-star team is going to claim him as his own first.
0: (laughs) That's fine, man.
1: No, it's true. And like, it's crazy because now it feels like there's an arms race in the West too, even with this next gen. And again, like it was always felt like the arms race among, amongst like the staff, the Russes, the Chris Pauls, the KDS, those guys who played in the West for a long time, Damian Lillard, et cetera. now it's like, there's a new arms race with John Morant, with Darren Fox, with Anthony Edwards, like Zion Williamson, like all these dudes who are, you know, going at it. And you still, of course have Jokic, who's kind of like the King of all this. But again, he's just a bit older, probably in that, mid-tier, I think it's real as well. I think it could be real this year. Like, I'm looking at it like the Lakers look so bad when you watch them right now. Like, they were 7-0 and in the in-season tournament, right? And overall, they're 17-18. and And so you're looking at a team that's 23rd in offense, who's struggling tremendously to get points, and they have healthy and really productive seasons from Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We only questioned whether this team was going to be good based on those guys' health. If they're healthy and they're not good, then what do you do about that? Because I don't think that was a situation that anyone forecasted.
0: I I agree. Like, it's not a good sign that they've been this bad with those guys healthy and playing well. Yeah. But I will say they've got a lot of attractive pieces on that roster. Relatively attractive that they can make another move. They can do what they did last year and flip these guys. Um, Another team might take a chance on Rui. Uh Obviously, you've got, I mean, they're not going to part with Reeves, but McDaniels, Or sorry, not McDaniels, uh, Vanderbilt, right? Vando, if they wanted to. like They've got pieces that they can package and reshape the roster and make a run for it like they did last year. So I'm not ruling them out completely. And I think Phoenix were too quick to bury them because we're seeing some signs that Phoenix has some life um the Clippers are playing really well so that's why I don't think it's gonna happen this year because those teams are still gonna be a tough out in the playoffs
1: yeah Phoenix is the one to me like super small sample size when the three guys have been on the court stats are well articulated they've been crushing people now again the competition's been very poor so you can't take a lot out of like beating up on Charlotte and beating up on Portland like at some point you gotta like Again, we thought the first big test was going to be Wednesday versus the Clippers, um, but then no uh, KD. So I, I want to get to the Clippers here on my next question. But I like the Warriors, like even them, they, they've gotten healthy, productive season from Steph. And everything else is just melting around him.
0: Yeah, the Warriors, I don't even know if... Yeah, they may not even be in it this year. But my point is, this year is the last hurrah for a lot of teams. I think next year is when the reckoning happens. I don't know if it happens this year. But maybe, you know, we could have an OKC Minnesota Conference
1: Finals. Like, that's not out of the... (laughs) Not if Adam Silver could help it. That would not happen. (laughs) Minnesota-Denver would be a fascinating finals. uh,
0: Minnesota-Denver would be great. I think that's... If you put a gun to my head right now,
1: I might say that. But. Even OKC Denver, I mean, OKC blew them out by 26 the other night. They play small, but, I mean, Jokic would just terrorize them, I think, over the course of a seven-game series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting too much stock into that. I mean,
0: OKC's not bulletproof. I mean, the Kings yeah. beat them twice, once without Fox. They, so I want to see how they play in the postseason. Um...
1: Yeah. All right, so let's switch to the Clippers. I, I, I kind of had this as a Battle of L.A. question. We sort of touched on the Lakers already, but if you took at the to Clippers and you said what is your excitement meter 1 to 10 of their positive performance and then what is your panic meter 1 to 10 of the Lakers negative performance this year? Uh I'll give excitement 7.
0: Now, I don't know what how I would treat the scale, but I'm temper I'm not going 10 is
1: like the Celtics. 1 is like Within the realm of good teams, one is like the Grizzlies. But what does excitement mean? Like, how, like, I guess, how excited are you? Or really, it's a question like, how real is this? Yeah, seven. I think it's a
0: seven. And I actually think it's more like a nine, eight or nine. I think they're a legit team. I'm putting seven because one bad. Hammy or knee, and with all these guys in their injury history, I just think that can derail it. And look, we've seen this every single. I think you forget um last year the Clippers were looking good in the postseason, but Kawhi was out.
1: PG um, didn't play at all. No, PG so didn't play at all. this is what I was going to say. Like usually it's a cop out, in my opinion, just be like, well, anyone can get hurt at any moment. But last year we literally saw Kawhi be amazing the first two games versus Phoenix and just like sit out the rest of the playoffs. And we saw that twenty twenty one, didn't we? As well when yeah, well he tore his ACL, so I guess yeah, like. But that's the point. That's your like, point. my my point is like every year they go
0: into the postseason, they look like hey, now that they're, they're finally getting together, and one of them goes down. I just can't. It's a cop out, but that's why it's tempered to seven. But I think they're real. I think when they're healthy, it's a legit team. Kawhi is playing as well as he's ever played, and they're going to be hard in the postseason. Like that's when things get tight and you have Harden, you have PG and Kawhi locking you up. Westbrook is a spark off the bench. You don't need to expect that much of him. This is this is a good team.
1: Yeah, look, I think they've been they're they're real, man. And like if you think about it like they've been another season team that's had great health but capitalized on that great health. Right, Like Kawhi has played a bunch of games. Paul George has played a bunch of games. James Harden, since he got traded, I don't think has missed a game. He's the ultimate, like, he'll always play, and he'll always play 35, 40 minutes a game. The problem is, like, in the regular season, it makes you feel really good that he's insurance for Kawhi and PG. In the playoffs, you feel less good that he's now your second best player (laughs) instead of your third best player. And that's where I would get worried. Because last year, when Westbrook had to do it all himself, it was good. He played well, but there's clearly there was no opportunity for them to win that series versus Phoenix. Right once Kawhi went down this year with one of those two guys of the two stars and Harden and Westbrook, you have a chance, but then you're counting on Harden not Harden not imploding like he does virtually every postseason.
0: I think that's a great point. So we everyone talks about Harden as insurance. I don't see it as insurance in the postseason for one of those guys going down. I think it all changes fundamentally. I think it's great yep. regular season insurance. I think they need the two wings to stay healthy in the postseason, And I also, I have a lot of faith in Ty Lue as a coach. I think he's just a great playoff coach and they've won a lot of games in the playoffs. They were not supposed to win. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to him as well. So I trust him. I trust that team if they stay healthy. So give me a seven. I'm docking them significantly for help, but otherwise I'd go eight or nine.
1: I'm going eight. By the way, Paul George, we did not mention him in our all-star conversation. Uh, I think he was our was he, he was like an alternate. He wasn't on the teams. Would you? I mean, he's making a case for himself as well. Yeah, it's so hard with both of them because they're both been really good, Kawhi and Paul George. And I don't know who – did we put Kawhi though, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, I don't know. Paul George has like sort of slipped out of my mind for a lot of these games. He's played two more games than Kawhi. He's played 31 out of 33 games. For some reason in my mind, I felt like he was hurt more. It's hard to keep track of who's hurt yeah. more than those guys. It's just like Kawhi's shooting splits are just absolutely out of control. 52, 44, 88, 25, 6, and 4. Like, it's just crazy.
0: And I think when you watch the Clipper games, Paul George looks like the player he's been the last couple of years. Kawhi looks just looks re-energized. Yeah. So that's why he sticks out more, I think. But yeah, he is right, a case, quickly. especially with them
1: like climbing up the standings. Yeah. They do deserve two like, All Stars. We gave, and like Davis might make it off name recognition, but how can you put two All Stars from the Lakers right now? Yeah,
0: right. but when we when we last made that, had that discussion. That's what I'm saying.
1: Things are going to change. Things are going to change. Like flip. right yeah. now, I don't know that I would pick Anthony Davis. To your point, I much more rather would go with or like maybe. Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns, right? Or you don't pick LeBron potentially. That's crazy. He's that going to get voted in, but yeah, that's. <laughs> He'll get voted in. I'm just in, looking. Yeah. Like, I'm just looking at it like, okay, we picked, like, why should, you know, Anthony Davis get it over Larry Markin, who's been awesome, and they have, like, one game back of him. But anyway, on the Lakers, where would you put your panic meter? Because I think I'm at, like, a nine.
0: I'm at a seven. Uh okay. Because, like I said, I think this team has moves they can make. Yeah. I think uh, I'm not – a, in a, like I do think the coaching coaching is always overstated. And with LeBron teams, you know, the coach is the first one to get the fingers pointed at. But I do think Darvin Ham is not good. And their rotations, the consistency of who he's playing on any given night, it's I don't think it's done the team any favors. And they have enough talent, they should be better than this. So I think if they do make a coaching change, I think it will help. And like I said, I think they've got assets that they can flip and they can make a move for Levine. They can make a move. They can go after some big name guys. And you might say Levine's not going to move the needle that much or this and that. But my point is they can shake things up enough in which they become a contender again, assuming AD and LeBron continue to play as well as they have been playing and they're healthy. So I'm going to go
1: seven because I think it's nine panic meter with this version of the team, but I think they've got yeah. moves to make. I mean, Ham is clearly an overmatched coach at this point. And, like, again, I think the biggest thing I'll say is what move are they going to make that's going to be so instrumental with, with the assets that they have? They're not going to trade Austin Reeves. You know, they're not going to trade, like, I don't even know. It's what Rui, D'Lo, Vanderbilt, and, like, a pick. For what? What's that going to net you? Sounds I don't know, like but Levine's value is not that high right now. Uh, so, Levine is a you, guy I would Do you go for go Draymond?
0: Ahead. I don't know. Like, do you (laughs) know, like (laughs) they go for Kyrie. I know these
1: are all the familiar names, but I've always had a spot, soft spot for Levine, even though the bulls continue to play way better without him. I just love his game. I don't know why. I know you do too, as a UCLA guy, but the main thing about Levine is he gives them a level of offensive firepower that they have no chance of getting um, from any other equivalent skill set, right? Because he's such a distressed asset at this point. Whereas everybody else who's as good at, as a basketball as Levine is, is not, is going to cost way more. Yeah. Um, but you have to pay him 160 million or whatever it is for over four years. So do you really want to go do that when LeBron's a pending free agent? That's kind of like your last move. And if he chooses to leave, have fun going 32 and 50 with Anthony Davis and Zach Levine for the next three years. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Yeah, they're he desperate though. LeBron's not leaving, I think. He's not leaving. They're desperate. The Brawny thing is real, but I don't even know that Brawny is like league ready next year.
0: He's not going to be. He's not. He's not. A team might take a flyer
1: on him, but he's not a first round pick. Well, um, if I was the Wizards GM, I might take him number two overall if it gets me two seasons of LeBron. That's the thing. Like, what is that pick bump for the LeBron potential?
0: Is it 10 picks, 15 picks? 20 picks like how how much higher does
1: he go well you would have to well it's i was gonna say it's just to sell tickets but the thing is he's still really good so he would help you like if you were the hawks why the hell would you not take Bronny at like 10 your team because you is, could get a legit prospect at 10 why are you settling for whatever Bronny? your team is toast you have trey young and Dejounte. they seemingly hate each other they gave up three first for for to the spurs the Dejounte trade they they have Jalen Johnson, who's a beast, pair him up with LeBron on the wing, and let's go do this thing. I, I think, you know, outside of the prospect of
0: getting LeBron, Bronny has that LaMelo thing to him where LaMelo is very popular with the kids, the culture, right? The yeah. House Highlights was always posting his stuff. Same with Bronny just because he's LeBron's son. You always hear about his like highlight plays that you see in a random game USC's playing that no one cares about he would bring eyeballs. So even without LeBron coming, I do think Bronny has appeal as like a, hey, fill the stands. This is LeBron's son.
1: I haven't checked his stats. Has he been doing anything?
0: No, man. But like the amount of clips you see randomly
1: posted about him, you'd think he's... I saw the chase down down block block in his first game and a couple other like clips that LeBron himself posted. Yeah, he's averaging seven points a game. I mean, I... I'm not going to crush the guy from coming back from cardiac arrest and not filling up the the statue yet, but I just, I don't know what, because of that, how ready he's going to be physically to to go to the NBA in just, you know, six months. Yeah. All right. Let's switch over to the other conference again. Can anyone beat Boston in the East? I'm not counting Milwaukee out.
0: Um, yeah. I think this is Boston's title to lose. Um, And I was going to say Milwaukee's defense, not this last Pacers game with standing, like where they let the Pacers light them up. And even tonight, they let the Spurs light them up. They have been showing defensive improvements. Um, So I don't think they're as big of a disaster as they were made out to be early in the year. And Giannis is at another level. So I I don't want to count them out, but I think right now it is the Celtics title to lose. They just look... Head and shoulders better than everyone, man. That one game they played against Sacramento where they had no Tatum and they just tore us and apart. Is and that they, when
1: Derek White had like 30?
0: Yeah, but it's just the the machinery of the entire offense. And I think without Smart there anymore, it's just Jalen Brown still has his moments, right? Like, But this team just clicks and with Porzingis offering what he can offer, I it, it's too... So things go too well, but we do know with this Boston team that when the we've seen it multiple times now. When things slow down, they get trigger-happy on the jump shots. They, they get away from their game, um, and they they can be had. So I'm not locking them in, but they definitely are
1: the favorites. Don't get me started on Perzingis' trade. that They traded Marcus Smart for Perzingis in two firsts. It continues to be one of the worst least talked about. <laughs> one of the best trades from their standpoint, but the worst trades from Memphis slash Washington standpoint. But nonetheless, yeah, it feels like more than anything, they have a lot more safety valves than they had in the year past. And again, the argument, if it's just Porzingis can't stay healthy in May and April, and May, well, I feel like that's probably not a good enough argument for me to pick against them at this point. Milwaukee, my issue with Milwaukee is like, they don't stop anybody. Like, and it, Game to game, I thought maybe they would gel a little bit, figure out how to hide Dame and Malik Beasley, but when you're starting backcourt as Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley, like, there's no set of defenders uh, that can ever help that, so I think that's one of the issues. The other thing with Boston is, like, you're right. Brown has looked uneven. He's had good stretches. He's had bad stretches. Tatum has still not elevated to being, like, an MVP-caliber player, which maybe would be their downfall because – If you go up against Philly, if you go against Milwaukee, and even in some situations, if you go up against Miami, you might not have the best player in the series. But it feels like if you're drafting guys, they're going to have four of the next six in every series, right? And so I think that's really important that they just have so much talent. You know, it always has felt like their entire roster is an embarrassment of riches because, like, even from the days of when they had, like, you know, like Kyrie and Jalen Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford. like, how do they get all these dudes at once? (laughs) And now they seem to have like elevated that up one step further. Um, yeah. If your biggest concern is your seventh man, I think that's uh, one you can work around. There is uh, very little uh, concern I have that they're going to be not, sure, I shouldn't say concern. I actually put, would put maybe Miami as the biggest threat to them because they just know how to yeah. beat them versus yeah. a Philadelphia and Milwaukee, both teams who have lost to Boston multiple times in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I, mean, the fact... You look at Boston, the fact that they turned... They got Drew Holiday, um, who replaces everything you...
1: Essentially, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, and two protected... Like, who is making these trades? Robert I Williams know. immediately got hurt and is out for the year.
0: Yeah, so I just think that they what they've been able to do with that roster. Like you said, they're deep. They've got defense. They've got offense. Um, But the Tatum Brown thing still scares you and it shouldn't, but it's, we've just seen it for six years in a row now. And at some point, like when are we going to expect Tatum to just be consistent? Like he'll have a 47 point game in the playoffs and then you think he's ascended and then he'll have a game where he shits the bed when you really need him. So But they've got so many, like you said, safety valves and ways to mitigate any bad shooting that I think they're the favorites right now. Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's go the other direction. Who has the single most hopeless future in the NBA as of now? And when I say hopeless future, I'm talking this season and the next two.
0: Uh... I think it's a toss-up. There are a couple teams, right? I think one, the Hornets. Yep. The Hornets, because your best player is Lamello, who's great. We still don't know what he means to a winning team. Yep. Um, and you've got a roster of characters that none of them are players that they're really invested in long-term. Uh, Bridges, Hayward is getting older, Terry Rozier. They don't have any young pieces you can rally around. And... So, that's Brandon one. Miller. I mean, he's been pretty good. Brandon Miller, sorry, Brandon Miller's the one guy. Yeah, yeah, he he's been solid. But I I every team has a couple young pieces. They might be in the most dire situation. Them Wizards are obvious one, right? <laughs> uh let's but, you know, the you've Wizards got some, are
1: my number one team by the way.
0: Yeah, the Wizards are definitely there. Um but I think they're a little bit more bare-covered, which is you kind of know that and expect that. They can kind of start from, from scratch. Like they, they should flip like I think the yeah, Kings would be willing to part with a player and a pick for Kuzma. I think they just would need to start do, selling would these you guys.
1: you do Barnes and two first for Kuzma? No, i do Barnes, a first. We don't want Davion Mitchell. Don't even mention his name. <laughs> I was going to say Davion. Um, Kings first are going to be bad. So it's like, cool. Barnes in the 28th pick or 26th pick for Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. It's not getting me out of bed. Yeah,
0: you're right. One's not enough, but two feels like too much. So I don't know. Um, But yeah, those two teams. And you know, a sneaky one? I mean, Chicago. Yeah. Like, yeah, Kobe White, I know he's been balling, but let's be real. What do they really have? But the good news for them is you have assets that have value. You can flip Vooch, you can flip Levine. Like, DeRozan if you wanted to so I don't put them in the same category because when they do want to make moves I think they can start cleaning house and and kind of resetting everything so Hornets Wizards
1: yeah I think I think that's Hornets is good obviously Washington was my number one just given at least LaMelo and Brandon Miller are probably the two best prospects across the two teams well all Koulibaly could be something but we don't know yet um, everything else on Washington, yes, it is a blank slate, but that's exactly what it is. It's a blank slate. By the way, we still owe Jordan Poole like $100 million over the next three years after this one. So Detroit is an interesting one because Detroit is – I was thinking about this and I was like, they already tanked. Can you imagine if they were like, actually, we're going to have to tank again. Sorry, everyone. Like they got Cade Cunningham. They got Jaden Ivey. They got Oster Thompson, Jalen Duren. Isaiah Stewart isn't that what you're what you're going to do if you go tank again and now they're sitting there they're three and thirty one I will say they're the best three and thirty one team that I've ever seen just given like the collection oh, of talent like I don't understand why they're so bad I really don't and they gave Monty Williams six-year, or seventy eight million dollar deal biggest in NBA history like what is the issue but so I wouldn't put them at the top of the list because I'm more perplexed with them than I am like uh hard on them for their you know, are they truly the most hopeless? Chicago's a good one. The other one that I was thinking about, like, you know. Portland. Sorry? No. No, no. Go Portland. we Were you going to say Portland? I was going to say, yeah. they're sneaky, like, I was not, thinking Portland. Like, who? The way Aiden's who, looked. Who, the, right. Jeremy Scoo Grant's not, deal. Scoo, yeah. Yeah. And, like, Simons has been great, but Simons is, like, the ultimate good stats, bad team guy. Like, yep. Like him being 25 points a game is literally meaningless to me. Shaden Sharp's been fine, but inconsistent. Like you're expecting really big leaves from some of these guys to turn into stars. And otherwise you don't really have like a ton and it's mm-hmm. Portland. So you're not getting any free agents.
0: Yeah. So who is the other team you're going to say? I was going to say Portland. You're going to say Portland.
1: Say. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's what I thought. Um, so anyway, most are in the east because everyone in the west is pretty much competent. You know, Spurs could low key be up there for minus Wemby because I don't know. What yeah, the but fuck you got Wemby. You got a gener like Yeah. Good segue. By to that logic. Week. What has your been your impression of Wemby through thirty five games, given the generational tag that was provided to him before the, you know, season? I think he's lived up to the billing.
0: Um I think he's been He's had his flaws. Uh he's but the last month, he's month, two weeks, maybe two weeks. He's really turned a corner. I mean, today's game against the Bucks, like that block he had on Giannis, Giannis threw a shoulder into him. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, like towards the end when they're up.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Be-
0: threw a shoulder into him and and Wemby didn't, you know, the Based on what I thought of Wemby coming into the year, getting pushed around. He does get a little pushed around and it's not he needs to bulk up. But he's starting to hold his own in the paint. He's starting sure to show can. a little bit he's making smarter decisions on offense. I think they still suffer from the fact that they don't have a point guard and he doesn't have help get putting himself in good spots. And he's still putting up 20 25 in a lot of these games and getting the blocks, getting the highlight plays. And I don't think Wemby was ever gonna I don't think anyone thought he's gonna come and be a 25-15 winning player in his first year. I think if we just saw I, enough I, flashes
1: and... I kind of wasn't we, sure. I was like, maybe. I didn't think so. I I mean, especially when I saw him in mean, summer league. Exactly. He's at 19-11 and 11, three blocks That's, a game with this trash-ass team around him.
0: And it's not even like a 19 like he's getting a lot of points just because there's no... I mean, part of it is no one can really score on that team. But I, I think he's got an arsenal of moves, right? He's not spamming yeah. one or two things. He's not shooting an insanely poor – he's not the most efficient big for sure. He's not Chet. But I think you got to be satisfied. And if I'm the
1: Spurs, I'm ecstatic at what I have. Yeah, I mean he's a guy who – any big I think like if you say generational, you say LeBron, blah, 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 people are starting to think your rookie season is going to look like Shaq or Tim Duncan. That's just – that's a bar that's like unfair to put on any player, much less a guy in the position that he's in, right? Like everyone talking about Chet. Chet's been amazing. The efficiency is incredible, but he's playing in like a tailor made situation for himself. Wemby's trying to do this with nope, with Jeremy Sohan, like either completely looking him off or like, you know, sailing passes 10 feet over his head, which is a hard thing to do with Wemby. And I just think. I don't understand what they've done with this team. And like, I feel like they've stunted his development a little bit. Like, you look at how hard it is for him to generate offense. Yes, he does have a lot of moves, but he also doesn't get a lot of easy looks, which if you know, if you're seven foot five with his skill set, you would think it'd be easier to generate better looks for him. Um, And they just haven't been able to do that. So I've been really impressed with him up and down, certainly like some four or 14 nights that you're like, how is this happening with a guy this tall? Um, But net. Super positive, in my opinion. Like, the shooting splits will get there. Like, Kevin Durant shot poorly his rookie year, right? I think it turned Mm -hmm. out okay for him. Um, And I'm not worried about it. I just – I'm really interested to see how quickly they're going to try to turn it to be good because he's ready. Like, I think he's not only ready from, like, a talent standpoint. I think he's ready from a competitiveness standpoint. This dude is like a dog, and I'm not sure I knew that, uh, you know, coming into the year. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, you always worry with these lanky bigs, right? What that attitude's like, how they get pushed around. He doesn't seem like that guy. So
1: yeah.
0: it's a win, man, I, I think. But with the Spurs, um, they ha- have a pretty bare cupboard around him. So it'll be interesting how they choose to build. Um, obviously, they got Keldon Johnson they can ship out. They've got pieces. So um, I don't know.
1: Yep. All right. Yeah, Devin Vassell, some other guys. All right, so which team or teams as of now should blow it up this season? Chicago,
0: Toronto. Washington is a little too obvious, and they can't really. They're not going to blow it up right away, but.
1: Well, no, they, I mean, games. I would put them on the list, right? Trading Kyle Kuzma, trading Tyus Jones. Probably not a big market for Jordan Poole, but moving him if you can. I would put the Jazz
0: the should. I don't think they will, especially they've been playing better lately, um, and they're still in the play-in mix, and so I don't think Ainge is in a rush. Um, I'll give you one that's a little bit out of left field because those are all the boring ones. The Hawks. Not super mm-hmm. out of left field, but I, I just feel like this roster, you've you got DeJounte, you can flip even a guy like bogdanovich he's he's been having a pretty good year i think this roster construction whether you want to build around tray and swap out the other pieces or maybe trays on the table it's just not working um i think that they are they have a <coughs> reason to blow it up and then cleveland's the other sneaky one in my mind where mm. not blow up blow up but build around garland get rid of Mitchell, get rid of Jared Allen, and just reset. And I know that's something that a lot of people have talked about, but I, this Cleveland team is just feels like where are they going with all this talent? So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Cleveland feels like they leave you hanging. They won 51 games last year, which was an amazing turnaround for them. Then they got blown out of the gym versus the Knicks in round one, specifically dominated by mitchell robinson and it's like okay we feel like we have an identity crisis they try to go solve that with max strews with george niang it's just weird man i don't like the way mitchell and garland play together garland was like a rising star 22 years old all-star team and suddenly he's like playing like you know he's ricky rubio out there shout out to rubio on a esteemed yeah, career in his retirement today but but yeah it's just I just don't like that fit. I'd rather build around Garland because Mitchell is a shot hunter, and I'm not sure he plays winning basketball, even though he's been in a lot of winning situations. And we
0: saw this with Fox and Halliburton to some extent, right? Like, I, what team, what really good team has two dominant ball handlers at the one and two? Yeah. That I mean, need that the ball in their hands point, to be successful.
1: Maybe what's going on in Atlanta, too, because, because DeJounte has regressed.
0: Yeah. I, and like, we saw it in, uh, Houston with Harden and Westbrook, like I just
1: don't think it ever really works. Yeah, I agree. um I don't think there's any other teams that are top of mind. I actually don't think Utah should blow it up. They have so many picks. I don't really know what blowing it up means. Like, what's the point of trading Laurie Marketing? He's awesome. Yeah, he's and you're just getting like, more picks back. Yeah, and like I guess like someone like John Collins, who's not that additive to what you're doing. Sure, if there's somebody who you know, but. They gave up a second rounder. It was a pure salary up from Atlanta. So I'm not sure how much more juice there is uh, there to squeeze Clarkson, but, but tell, maybe. Like...
0: They love Clarkson. He's like a fan favorite. He got right. their first triple double since like
1: 08 or whatever. Yeah. I had to go so two that... nights ago. So I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe they just fight for the plan. This isn't even a good draft, which is, of course, the year the Wizards are horrible. That's the thing.
0: No one, like, this draft sucks. So there's yeah. no. Um... Real race to the bottom, like
1: fake talk myself into anybody, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's also because we're
0: coming off the Wemby draft and a really strong draft overall.
1: Scoot, Brandon Miller, the Thompson twins. Um, I know, of course, the Wizards tanked one year too late, which is a move we've seen quite often. Um, but
0: I I think the Pistons uh, are not in blow it up mode. I mean you can not there's so young you, you, there's not, nothing to blow up I but I don't know
1: what you would blow it's, up yeah but what it's I mean is such a pitch.
0: it's a such a mishmash of talent all really like look Jalen Duren great player Cunningham's shown that he's actually a pretty good player Jaden Ivy has flashed quite a bit even though he's not that consistent um they've got pieces and I think it's a matter of just reshuffling a little bit maybe shipping some of these guys out because this combination, I don't know if it's gonna work.
1: Well, Ivy's finally started getting minutes again. Well oh, yeah. After like getting buried on the bench forever, he's finally back like in the starting lineup.
0: And I don't understand why it took Bonnie this like I, Monty is just like it's why it took him so long to do that. Like you'd think after you he's lose like a, twenty games,
1: you'd start making some significant changes. He's like but. a modern day Byron Scott. Yeah. Well, which that's isn't actually really good. that modern day. But, but yeah, same. What? Like, just, I hate young guys. I have no actual X's and O's because they're just I'm a good, like, locker room guy, but all my teams underachieve. They're both light skinned, bald, black guys. Is <laughs> that uh, no? I was not going with that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yes, that also uh, helps. But, um, yeah, something about it, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, like. Firing a coach doesn't affect cap space, but I'm not sure how many owners are willing to eat sixty-five million dollars on a contract to then go hire someone else.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I will say I'll, I'll make an. I want to ask a question for you, right? You know how yeah. we talked a lot about the parity going into this year. Um, I've had this weird feeling that there's a lot of bad teams in the NBA this year. Like, mm-hmm. and I know some teams have to be bad. That's just the way the but. We thought about a lot of teams kind of grouped in the middle, right? But there are some rotten apples. Like we knew Washington would be bad, sure. But Detroit, no one expected this bad. The Hornets also massively underperforming. Raptors and Bulls are kind of, you know, the Hawks are underperforming to what I thought and what a lot of people thought they'd do this year. And then you go out West, sure, Memphis missed jaw. That's why they're down. But the Blazers, given the talent they had, they're, I would say they're doing worse. The Warriors and Lakers, I feel like there's a lot of teams that are just, Not that impressive.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think that at the end of the day, like there's there's always going to be parity with the amount of talent that we have, but things will shake out where you really end up not having that many true title contenders. Because it's funny you said that. My very next question was like, how many teams could realistically win the title this season that would not surprise you one bit? Because a lot of the teams that we think are quote-unquote good or like contenders or whoever, like a Pelicans, if they actually were real title contenders, I think you'd be surprised. So that plus like the bad teams, like it's really the Holy four, right? Spurs, the, the, uh, Pistons, the wizards and the Hornets. And then there's that collection of like kind of mid to bad Portland's, etc. And then you have like the supposed to be good, but bad Atlanta, Chicago, golden state Lakers, you know, that, that whole contingent Toronto. Um, or not supposed to be good, but think thought they were going to be good. But how many teams would be kind of in your inner circle of contenders where you don't blink? Who are those teams
0: where I don't blink? There's don't only, blink if they
1: won, won at all.
0: There's four. Okay. No, three, three. Yeah. What's Denver?
1: Denver, Milwaukee, Boston?
0: And then there's a second tier where I'm like which includes the Heat. The Heat, I almost put in Tier 1, but I don't know. Um, That next tier has, like, the Heat and the Suns and the Clippers
1: and the Timberwolves. Then it gets big. So I'd say, yeah, only three. You don't have, potentially, the team with the two-time MVP on it? Reigning MVP? Sixers? Yeah. Oh, they're in that. They're in that second tier, potentially. I... I think they're my first tier. With the oh. way Maxie's playing, and we'll see what they decide to do with the deadline. We know Maury never really sits tight at a deadline, but now he wants to protect the Max cap space. I'm super interested to see. I think Philly could realistically get into that um, top tier with even a fringe move to add a little bit more rotational depth.
0: I don't know, man. I don't... Uh... It depends what the fringe move is. I just... As good as they've been, as dominant as Embiid has been, as good as Maxie's been, this feels like much more and I know this year it's Nick Nurse, so they've got that's not Doc Rivers flaming out in the postseason again. I I just I guess I have to see it with Embiid in the postseason. He's kind of gotten the reputation like Harden now, where look, the foul the fouls, the flopping, the the game that doesn't translate as easily from the regular season to the postseason. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm not putting them in that tier yet. I, I just don't see yeah, them. I mean, he has not even remotely come close to doing it yet in the playoffs. So
0: that's the thing, right? He, even if he flamed out last year, but maybe he put up decent stats, like he's been bad, bad. And
1: or even if he like lost, you know, didn't get to round three, but he was always putting up great numbers, his numbers all go down in the playoffs. Yeah. So And that's exactly. a cop out
0: because like but I just don't see it yet. Yeah. Like I actually trust the Timberwolves more, and they're even less experienced
1: than I trust Philly. Maybe Ant will allow me to overcome the skeletons of Carl Anthony Towns playoff performances, but it's going to take me a while. I mean,
0: to you got to draw a line in the sand, man. At one point, you're like, "Oh, I'm on." The, I've been on the mini bandw- you know bandwagon just a year late. Now you're pulling back. When they win a second round series, you're going to be like, "I've always been on the back." You got to like put your foot in the ground, draw a line, like. Are you in on mini or not? Stop
1: waiting. I'm in on mini. I'm in on mini because I'm in on ant, but holy shit. Once uh, Towns fouls out of the first game in like 22 minutes, then I'm out on them again. (laughs) Uh, Which could happen. Look, there's a lot of reasons why
0: I could flame out, but I'm just saying like, do you believe in them or not? Because they're doing everything you expected or wanted them to do. I think
1: they're sustainable. Their offense is really stuck in the mud at times, but defensively it's all real. Um, I think they're going to be good in the playoffs defensively. I think the biggest question for me is how do you create? I don't know where do you go to find someone else who can give the offense a little jolt because if it's not like Ant going hero mode, they don't have a lot. They don't. uh, You're right. That that is the
0: biggest flaw, and I think I think their team that needs to make it's like weird to ask the number one seed to make a move at the deadline, but I think they they need a little more offensive assets.
1: Right? Like, what are they going to go do?
0: I don't know, right? Do you dangle again? Like a guy like um, Kyle Anderson's too valuable to what they do. You know, those I would say you could dangle him. Well,
1: I was gonna say, what about Kyle Anderson for Kelly Oubre? (laughs) (laughs) Kelly Oubre, yeah, they get a lot better looking. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Can't (laughs) can't argue with that. All right, last question. Name your top three on your MVP ballot as of now. January fourth, two thousand twenty-four. Ooh. Um. Embiid.
0: SGA. Giannis. Okay. I'm, I've moved SGA into that list. Um. Grudgingly, I'm sure. Uh, look, I like SGA. He's amazing. I, I think the reason I'm moving on to the list is more so than the stats. The 35 and 5, whatever, that's great. But it's the, the fact that they're a, almost a one seed. Like that is – they've beaten just every good team. And he's played well against every good team. Yeah. Uh, and then Giannis and and uh, Embiid are just dominant statistical seasons. And um, I'd give them the nod, yeah. How about you? Yeah. And Jokic, I mean, that's hard to ignore. You. Yeah, I
1: think Jokic. I have Jokic maybe third over Giannis, but I don't know. The Denver's looked pretty inconsistent, and while Milwaukee's looked inconsistent, Giannis has been incredible. Start incredible.
0: To finish. Yeah.
1: So I'm kind of leaning your way. I think those and, are the top four, though. Milwaukee has a better record than Denver. Granted,
0: they Denver missed Murray and all that stuff. It's not like Milwaukee's been playing bad. Exactly.
1: So I. They think just I have, have these have high Giannis profile heard. losses. But to yeah, Indiana. And man. they give up 140 points in their yeah. wins, too. That's the other problem. But yeah, <laughs> they've now played Indiana five times already by uh January fourth and lost four. So that's the funny little wrinkle of our in season tournament. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is, Luca? Um
0: do you feel I mean, like we don't talk in- about Luca that much? He's been having an we incredible haven't. year.
1: Yeah, dude. He's been he's been putting up like multiple 30 point first halves and stuff. Like he's 34, 9, and 8, career yeah, like, high from three. Just absurd. Kyrie's been out. They have like no real talent around him. He's kept him in the top six. It's impressive.
0: But it's like every year they're running back the same thing. I know. Amazing Lucas season. They're in that like fifth, sixth, seventh spot, and then they
1: go nowhere. Well, they're fifteenth in net rating, tenth on offense, twenty first in D. They're just kind of like who they always are.
0: They're I know, but offense. like you're wasting it just in this incredible year for Luca.
1: I right? don't even know what I would want them to do because I thought that I liked their offseason. I picked them to be, you know, they were one of my lockovers. I love the Grant Williams deal, but he's been he's been you know. Yeah, they've had some injury issues for sure. Like guys have missed games. Luca's even missed some games. Kyrie's obviously missed a number of games. He's missed 16 of their 35 games. He's almost ineligible yeah. for awards at this point. So maybe it's like you can just get healthy and these guys will all be fine. But you're also counting a lot on like guys like Derek Lively, Josh Green, it's tough yeah. to, Dante Exum. Like it's tough to to be a real contender with this many kind of. Replacement level dudes playing for you.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's my
1: point. Like Eric Jones, like what? (laughs) So, I agree with you though. It's not been talked about enough, and we've all got bored of his greatness, even though he's only twenty-three.
0: I mean, I know we talk about his highlights every day, but like he, like now it's about SGA, right? It's about all these like other teams that are doing well. The maps have kind of slipped into just, oh yeah, we know they're they're this middling team.
1: Not really going anywhere. But yeah. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts from you? I think this was a good summary of where we are in the league today.
0: No, uh, I think um, all-star voting came out. I know we didn't talk about that. It's always dumb because you see, it's just fan vote, but it's always interesting to see. It's LeBron. It's Durant. Slips in, it's, Giannis, slips out. it's
1: Steph. It's Luca. It's all the same shit. Halliburton led East Guards. Yeah, well, they are hosting, so I think that made a that played a role. But he might have been, led them anyway.
0: Yeah, my argument also with a guy like Halliburton or a guy like Jaws, like the whole state votes for them, and like the surrounding states. Whereas if like you're in California, you're competing with all these other stars I mean, in California. What are
1: you talking about? California's population versus Indiana? Like, who cares what the entire state does? It's like the entire. The, no, but my point is, is sure, but California's
0: vote, California's vote gets spread across so many stars, right? Whereas Indiana has got one team, one player, they all rally around, so everyone in that state votes.
1: This isn't like Dominion voting running this process. You can do this, you can vote for whoever you want multiple times. I know,
0: I know, but I'm I'm just saying, like, anyways. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I'm, I'm justifying was, why guys in Sacramento, for example, don't get a lot of votes. Because only Sacramento votes for them.
1: Well, because it's a small city. That's why. Like, Yeah, but
0: yeah, Indianapolis is not a huge city. But my point not, is, the yeah, whole like state the, owns the Pacers. It's not just right. one city.
1: That's my point. That's why they're actually called the Indiana Pacers for that reason.
0: Yeah, like Green Bay is a small city. But they fill in that stadium because it's everyone in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, whatever. Like, yeah. It's really a Wisconsin team. That's my point.
1: Well, the other thing I thought was surprising is Devin Booker not in the top ten for guards.
0: And that and he and that's one that he's usually in the top ten, so that was kind of an
1: interesting. Yet Austin Reeves was in there. How did that? I mean Austin Reeves is in the top ten? Yeah, Austin Reeves and someone else. Hold on, let me see. But who's giving Austin Reeves votes? The same
0: Oh, my God. Austin. No, I thought you said. uh, I was thinking Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers. (laughs) I was like, is he even on a team? No, I was thinking Austin Rivers. Yeah, Reeves is the Laker, white guy.
1: Yeah, you just vote LeBron, A.D., Reeves, Rui. Yeah. Who was the 10th guy? There was someone else who was kind of random. Let me see.
0: Like Vando or someone.
1: Clay Thompson. Oh. Yeah, Clay Thompson was 9th. Austin Reeves was 10th. Yeah. So, all right, but I get it. That's well, like people in China too are voting Clay. Like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, and Kyrie, who's fifth—that's another. And I say Austin Reeves. Doesn't he have a Chinese deal too? He does. Yeah, he's got a yep, Chinese shoe. Bro. All right. Maybe that's the move for thick and thin. Get Chinese sponsorships and really boost <laughs> the thing up. But, hey, we got, we got. I think we got one or two listeners out there. Yeah. I don't know who it is, but I think it was people we know on vacation.
0: On <laughs> vacation, um, yeah.
1: Anyway, that's a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Please follow us on all major podcast platforms and social media. We will talk to you next week.